This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at BurnsClan. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the CEO of The Witness, the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verify himself, Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? So if your prophecy is not correct, on this two-time thing. What 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 we what we gonna do? Is there gonna be some repentance? Is it, is it gonna be some sackcloth and ashes? What are we finna do? What did Paul say, Jamar? What did Paul say? For we know in part and we <laughs> prophesy in part. Y'all don't I don't have a Bible reader. I don't have a Bible. This is the problem with the church. <laughs> <laughs> January 5th, we will see in full. Uh, 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 listen, <laughs> for we know in part and we prophesy in part. I didn't say that say of the Lord. Oh, I said that say the Lord. I said a prediction. Giving himself and out. Very listen, good. Listen, listen. Uh, but I'm confident. I stand by. I guarantee you that I stand by it. Okay, listen. We have we have been doing cultural artifacts. Last week we did part one of our cultural artifacts. This week we're gonna do part. Two, we're doing 10 things this year. Listen, if you missed part one, there is absolutely no reason for you to listen to part two. So actually go back and listen to part one and then listen to part two. I mean, you can kind of listen to them out of order, but you're going to miss the flow and the energy and all kind of stuff. So for those of you who are unaware, again, if you're asking the question, what are cultural artifacts? You are not from around here. You're new, but it's okay. We welcome you in the same way. Okay, that we ourselves have been welcomed by God. (laughs) All we say is you got to catch up. Okay, catch up. Cultural Artifacts is our favorite episode every single, well, my favorite episode every single year. Jamar's kind of like, eh, you know, it can go either way. All year long, yes. Listen, so Cultural Artifacts is all about what got us through a given year. So we've done five, we've done seven, we've done nine. This year we're doing 10 because 2020 was a big year, right? No caps. No caps. So we're talking about albums movies, documentaries, people, events, groups of people. And Jamar, why don't you give them your top five, your, or your first five, I should say, your first five cultural artifacts that you mentioned last week. First five. And bear in mind that neither of us knows in advance what the other is going to say. Still don't so know. Always a surprise. I don't know what his next five are going to be, but these were my five from last episode. Black women, medical professionals and scientists, critical race theory slash... Christian nationalism, Chadwick Boseman, and the 2020 racial justice uprisings. And my five were, first of all, the album Handle with Care by Natalie Lauren. That could be my number one. I started out with that. We ain't had on the podcast yet. That's the question. Listen, man, we trying to do some, we trying to think bigger than that. Anyway, so Handle with Care by Natalie Lauren, uh, the TV movie, the Clark Sisters movie, um, which was on Lifetime, the documentary Tony Morris and the Pieces I Am, the album Choir Master by Ricky Dillard, and the book Black Fire by Dr. Estrella Alexander. 
All right, Jamar, I started first last time. You got to start first this time. What's number six for you? All right, man. I hesitate to say this because it sounds so self-serving. But when I think about 2020, I cannot think about it without thinking about this. The fact that my first book, The Color of Compromise, The Truth About the American Church's Complicity and Racism, hit the New York Times best. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. You going to challenge my prophetic? Okay. First of all. You challenged my prophetic instincts. You know, you know. And then the first thing you bring up, <laughs> shameless, is this the energy that it requires to become a New York Times bestseller? <laughs> this is shameless. I can't believe you, bro. One had nothing to do with the other. One had yes, nothing it to did. Do with the other. This was a setup. <laughs> I've been bamboozled, hoodwinked, run amok. <laughs> Nah, man. Yo, listen, we already know, bro. You got to talk about this, man. It's wild, bro. It was wild. Look, the the book already did well, thanks to the support of many of the folks who listen and and just tune in to what we do at The Witness in general. But it came out in January of 2019. So it was like well beyond whenever you would expect it to hit any sort of bestseller list. And then Really in concert with the racial justice uprisings of 2020, there was this clamoring on the part of the public to learn more about race. You know, all of a sudden it's like, huh, it's an urgent problem. We should really learn about this. Like, yeah, we've been saying this for some time. And 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 so in in this flurry, like the New York Times list had like more black authors on it at one time than ever before. Shout out to my sisters, Austin Channing Brown yes. and Latasha Morrison, yes. both of whom their books hit the New York Times bestseller list as well. But I was just floored, man, because it was there not just for one week or two weeks or three. It was on the bestseller list for a month. And the reason I, I say that is because this, right? Any sort of artist, any sort of creative, you know that even if you're proud of your work, you're always wondering how successful it is, how effective it is, right? And and we can talk ourselves out of anything. It doesn't matter how objective the measure. You sold this many units, this person said this and gave this testimony. We can always talk ourselves out of how, how effective our work is or, or how important it is. This one is really hard to talk myself out of, <laughs> right? Like it's just a very sort of accepted measure in the industry of a particular level of success. And it's so hard to, to receive any sort of affirmation because of the ways that we're broken, that this one stands out to me. And it just, it's, mm. it's something I, I feel good about and I'm grateful for. And I know it's people who have supported me, but it's just a testament, you know? And it's like something I can always, always, always look back on. Nah, go ahead and smile. Cheese, cheese for him, bro. Cheese for him. Look, that, look. This, this is like when I when I hit my first shot when I was on the basketball team, and it was like, "Yo, you want to smile? Go ahead, and smile, dog. Go ahead, and smile, bro. Go ahead, and smile for him. Give him the pearly whites, man. Listen, bro. You know we've been we've been telling you, we've been saying we've been new. They just had to catch up. We've been new. We've been new." I'm telling y'all, man, we've been said he was the man, the myth, the legend. We've been said he was blue check verified. We've been said he was best-selling author. Before it happened, you got to get, listen, if y'all people don't believe in you like this, you get new people. You got to believe in folks, man. I'm telling y'all, man, I'm serious. 
And if you don't believe, if you don't believe in your friends like this, replace yourself. Fire yourself. I'm telling y'all, man, we got to gas our people up. Listen, another thing, and I was going to talk about this associated with something else, but it got cut. I think it's the time for the young lions and lionesses. Mm. It's the time. Mm. It's the time for the new school, the new wave. Which ain't the people us. who are coming up. What'd you say? Which ain't us. No, it's us. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, like, who are you talking us about? generally. <laughs> right, right, it's, right. It's right. the collective. Yes, yes. It is. Like, I'm, I'm not just talking about the witness. I'm talking about a whole bunch of people who, who are rising right now. And there's a beauty in, in the voices and the words and the interpretation and the hermeneutics and the history and the cultural commentary and the memoir and the diversity of of approaches and perspectives. And there's room for all of us. We ain't got no scarcity mentality. There's room for all of us to thrive and flourish and fly. So man, much love to you, man. But we been new. We just had New York times had to catch up. New York times late. BT dubs. If you have not read it or you're thinking about doing a study, we do have a study guide written by none other than the co-host here, Tyler Burns. (laughs) We got a little study. We did a little sound. We did a little sound, man. You know what I'm saying? We got in the lab, put it together. Go get that study guide, though. Go read it. Go do it with your your small group. Your church needs it. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What you got? All right. Number six. uh, My first one in this second round. Man, let's hit him with another heater, bro. All right. Come on. Get him with a heater. Let's do it. It's going to come out of left field. It's a left hook for y'all. What you got? A TV show. And listen, TV is typically a huge part of my list, but it was not a big part of my list this year. And it feels weird to say, because normally I have a bunch of TV shows, but I just have one. And it's a Japanese anime, Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. Get with it. Get familiar. Unpack that one. If you don't know, now you know. Okay, listen. So this is a dystopian-themed... You got it. Okay, so let me let me put y'all on. Let me put y'all on. First season on Netflix, next two seasons on Hulu. Try watching a few episodes. And if you can keep up with the subtitles, they got dubs on the second and third episodes, but I don't second and third seasons, but I don't do the dubs. I want to read the subs. I want to hear it in that native tongue. But here's the thing: if you can keep up, I guarantee you're gonna be hooked. This show is wild. It is a dystopian themed show about a country of people, actually a whole group of people who are confined to walls, inside walls, because they're fighting against these humanoid, flesh-eating, people-eating giants, okay? And, and once every every hundred years or so, they have an, an, an attack from these humanoid giants, right? Who come and they scale the walls or they break through the walls, or what have you, they haven't done it for over a hundred years and they eat people. There's no other way to put it. They eat people. And so they've had a hundred years of silence. And then the first episode breaks with a brand new Titan who's bigger than anyone's ever seen before, breaking over the walls and through the walls and basically letting through the flood of humanoid Titans to eat the people. Now, I know it sounds like I know what you're thinking. Yeah. You're like, ain't no way I'm going to watch this. Let me tell y'all something. Blood, gore, okay. The animation is outstanding. The tension 
and the fear, it's palpable. Hmm. The characters are undeniable. And the spirit is inspiring. And here's why I put it on the list. Number one, because it got me hooked. I didn't expect to be. And it got me hooked bad. <laughs> bad. But number two, y'all, it is, it is, it is the underdog comparison to us fighting racism in America. Wow. That we will always, when I tell you they are put in scenarios that are devastating. I'm talking like a few episodes in, you're like, what am I watching? They are put in scenarios that are absolutely devastating and they don't give up. The theme is, it ain't over till we say it's over. Outmatched, outmanned, outgunned, mm. outmaneuvered, mm. outnumbered. It ain't over till we say it's over. Okay. We don't lose until we stop fighting. And that right there, the, the strength to run straight headlong into giants who you know want to eat you. And to stand up and fight them, even though you're terrified, even though you don't know what's coming behind the corner, even though you just saw your friend die, even though you just saw your whole platoon eliminated by one Titan. Mm. It ain't over till we say it's over. Oh, yeah. Attack on Titan. That's number six. Get with it. It's not a game out here. Uh, That joint put it, it had me so hyped. There are a couple of scenes. That had me so hyped. I was like, yo, this is what we face all the time. The decisions to be like, man, should we do this or should we not do this? Should we go for the tensions between groups? The fact that some people feel like, oh, they ain't, they ain't really on the front lines, but we are. You don't, even, you don't even know what you're talking about. You haven't even seen what we've seen. The trauma, the pain, the relentless nature of the giants. I was like, man, this racism. <laughs> Attack on Titan. Get familiar, y'all. Wow. Wow. See, Tyler always comes out of left field with some stuff. Wow. I, I, had, to, I had to hit y'all up. I got a couple more. I got a couple more, man. All right, Ooh. All right. All right. Let, me, let, me, let me see how this one hits you. This is my second one slash number seven, and it is pastors and church leaders. Ah. Pastors and church leaders. Come on, Doc. Man. What a year to try to shepherd people in 2020. We have dealt with so much, obviously a pandemic, but on top of it, these racial justice uprisings, on top of it, just everyday life, people dealing with cancer and chronic illness and broken marriages and kids and all of this stuff. And in the middle of it, pastors had to make an immediate pivot from meeting together physically and in person, which is sort of a cornerstone of so much of church life, right? From small groups to Bible studies to Sunday school to Sunday worship, and then had to go all online. And a special shout out to the pastors who are bivocational, who pastor tiny churches, who ain't got all the media and video and resources and staff members to to be able to handle this. 
and had to do it just just how they did. I know, I know, I know one church in my town, which is a small little rural town, they are doing church over a conference called telephone line hmm. because they got yeah. so many older saints. They can't do the Facebook, the Zoom, the whatever. They're going to leave too many of their congregation out. And so um, on top of that, you know, these leaders are people, too. So they got their own issues, maybe dealing with deaths in the family because of COVID-19 or whatever it might be, not being able to see friends, family, relatives, all that. And so it's it's exhausting. I mean, I haven't said this much, but I do most of the preaching and teaching at my church. And man, what a what a what a year to begin that. Uh and and so I understand in a different way this year the burdens, the loneliness, the pressure, the temptation toward depression and uh all kinds of, you know, substance abuse, numbing, isolation, you name it, that goes along with the pressure of being a pastor or a church leader. Doesn't just have to be the preachers in in the building, but anybody who's got a responsibility over a, a flock, over a congregation. Shout out to y'all. You have done an amazing job. Nobody has done it perfectly, but to persevere, to show up and to be faithful day in, day out, week in, week in, week, week in and week out. Uh, that is a testimony to God's strength in you and God's using you for God's purposes. Man, that hits home. <laughs> Ah, man. Yeah. I was telling people I've been I've been trying to tell people and some people just don't hear it because they don't get it. But that. Preaching to a camera has been the most psychologically devastating experience of my life. And for some people, they don't get it because it's a lecture to them. But the communal call and response preaching that, you know, emanates from my tradition and that I was raised on. It demands a response. Yeah. And it demands the communal act of, of a symbiotic rhythm yep. of experience together. It demands the communal. I talked about it last episode. It demands a communal. And to not have that has been utterly devastating mm. in ways that I can't, I can't fully explain the psychological impacts and the emotional emptiness of it. Yep. Um but for many of us, it's our Gethsemane. Yeah, for many of us, that's what we feel. And pastors, we do a great job of hiding that. And we do a great job of, you know, kind of circling the wagons and giving you a couple of one-liners. But, you know, hopefully we are thinking of our health and our families in this time. I know I have because of some situations that have happened even recently. But even beyond that, you know, hopefully we as a as a body of Christ, we'll, we'll care about one another in multitudes of ways that aren't just simply hierarchical and, um, and top down, but that we'll, we'll care about the whole body. I think it's been hard for so many people. So man, shout out to the members though, man, the members have been resilient and bounced back and we couldn't do it without y'all man. Got me in my feelings. Okay. Uh, let's hit them with, with number seven. This is my number seven. My number two for this second part. Gotta hit him with another blur, bro. Gotta hit him with another. Whew. Okay, okay. Hit him with some more creatives, bro. You know, I gotta, I gotta always give y'all a comic. Gotta give y'all a comic. This <laughs> one came out May 2019. Which one? Which one is you? Which uh, Superman Red Sun? It was um, 
the X-Men. Uh, oh, oh, uh, House of X. House of X. House yeah. Of X. Yes. Yeah, bro. You see, you saw that, right? You saw that. Incredible. I devoured listen, it. Listen. All right. So this year's recommendation came out in 2019. It's a comic called Excellence. Mm. People are like, how would you describe Excellence? The creator said, it's Harry Potter meets Juice. What? What? I can't get this. Okay, so it's about this dude named Spencer. Spencer is born into a world of magic, but he's born into one of the 10 magical families, a secret society of black magicians. And they are unseen. So they, they're, they're not seen, but they kind of hold the world up. And Spencer is kind of a rebel because his father, it, essentially the father and son relationship is so important for transferring magic and the legacy of magic to the next line down through the family. And so the father is disappointed because his son doesn't catch on as quick as he should. And the father is disappointed because his son has unconventional methods and his son kind of skirts some of the rules and his son is determined to challenge the system. And so you're sitting in between this disapproving father and a determined son. And a son who feels as though his father has lost the edge to confront things as they are. And a son who is determined to stand 10 toes <laughs> down and say, I'm going to fight it even if you aren't. I'm not going to be a coward, even if you are. Well, I don't know how it ends because they're still releasing issues as of now in this run. But it is moving. The panels leap out of the page. The panels are beautiful, vibrant panels. Um, it feels black. You can tell it's it's written, I believe it's all people of color, but I know it's written by it's written by black men. But it, it feels black, it feels authentic, but it also feels like the, the microcosm of tension and pain that exists between Black fathers and their sons. And as a son who works closely with his father and has taken something, kind of received something that was passed down from his father, um, it is... It is difficult to get through sometimes because of the tension I myself feel. Now I'm not in Spencer's place because Spencer is, you know, in the comic, he's 15, you know, so he's extremely young, you know, he's trying to find himself, but the level to which the idea of black excellence is pushed and challenged and the idea of black excellence, what we consider to be excellence and what we consider to be acceptable to prove, because there, there's there's an unseen, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil it, because there's an unseen group that could take away magic if you step outside the bounds of what they say is acceptable. Hmm. So there's an unseen group that has rules. There's rules. You can't use magic for the undeserving. Women can't use magic. These rules that they have for how you're supposed to carry and govern the power that you have within you. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, there are so many layers to this. And man, I've been 
throughout all of 2020, just been like pulling my hair apart, trying to figure out where some of this stuff is going, but also seeing the layers and the richness of the story and the ways in which I feel like they are intentionally, intentionally asking some questions about our community. Excellences. It's a, it's a must read comic. See, y'all got to put pressure on Tyler because you hear his insights. He's he, he's a cultural critic at heart. He's a very discerning person when it comes to taste. And I ain't got time for one more project. I ain't got time for no projects. No more projects. What you got to do is probably put some things down so you can focus on what you're excellent at. Uh, here he go. Here he go. Speaking here of he excellence. Go. Yes, yes. Oh, here he go. Y'all, y'all put the pressure on him because he ain't listening to me. All right. That's dope. That's dope. It's incredible. Um, Here's one that's going to hit you from left field from me. Okay. This, go ahead. this is, this is leaning on my academic side. So this is uh number eight for me, critical white evangelical scholars. Hmm. You heard me talk last episode about critical race. Okay. Theory, I think I know where you're going. Stuff. Okay. Bet, bet. Critical white evangelical scholars. I have noticed a flowering of literature of late coming from white evangelical scholars critiquing their own tradition. Hmm. And so if you've ever written a thesis or a dissertation, any long research paper, there's a section toward the beginning called the literature review, the literature review. In historical papers, it's called the historiography. And basically, you want to take a look at the books that are similar to your topic and and in your field and you mm-hmm. want to talk about how other authors other scholars have talked about that same topic and so you 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 take their works and you analyze them for the pros and the cons and what you're going to build off of where you think they went wrong well if i was going to do a literature review of evangelicalism the study the academic study of evangelicalism this would be a very dynamic time in the scholarship And I'll give you Hmm. just a few examples. Uh, There have been a plethora of books that have dropped in the past year or two. Y'all don't sleep on this first one. You may not have heard of it, but you're going to to really appreciate it, especially as we're talking about defunding the police, anti-black police brutality. It's called God's Law and Order, Hmm. The Politics of Punishment in Evangelical America. God's Law and Order, hmm. The Politics of Punishment in Evangelical America is by, is by a scholar named Aaron Griffith, and he is looking at uh, basically the second half of the 20th century and how evangelicals viewed law and order, crime and punishment. He looks at uh, uh, Bible ministries within prisons, but he also looks at uh, sort of the social and the cultural views that white evangelicals have of law and order, incarceration, criminal justice, those kinds of things. That's one. Another one, which you've probably heard of by now, Jesus and John Wayne, how white evangelicals Uh, corrupted a faith and fractured a nation. A brutal cut from my list. A brutal cut from my list. So powerful. It's by Kristen Cobes Dumay. She is a professor at Calvin University up in Grand Rapids. And this book is a tour de force. She's looking explicitly at patriarchy, but she is so, so good with it. She brings the racism part of it in because it's all connected and she connects it to pop culture. Yes. yes. John Wayne, you know, being this sort of um, 
paradigmatic masculine figure that so many Christians champion. And yet in his life and in his movies, he's not standing for nothing that, that, that Christians should get too excited about. So, so Jesus and John Wayne. Also Billy Graham. Let's, let's be clear. She names them all. In be this. clear. Well, you need to read this. If you go, if you go venerate Bill, Billy Graham, read this book. <laughs> Let me also give you two more quickly. Um, White Too Long, The Legacy of White Supremacy in American Christianity by Robert P. Jones. Robert P. Okay, Jones. Okay, yeah, of course. I was like, the okay. CEO yeah. of uh, uh, the Public Religion Research Institute. He brings a statistical analysis to, uh, it, and what I like about this, what he pulls no punches. He's basically like, white Christianity is toe up from the flow up because of the white part. And, 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 and he shows how all of the worst things about racism are actually amplified among white Christians. Hmm. It's, 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 hmm. it's incredible research. And then lastly, I'll mention this one. Anytime I talk about Christian nationalism, it's coming, uh, it's sparked from this book. It's called taking America back for God. Christian Nationalism in the United States by Samuel Perry and Andrew Whitehead. Yes. Two sociologists, they break it all the way down. They have this great categorization of of, uh, rejectors versus ambassadors of Christian nationalism, and then break down all these kinds of social issues from uh, abortion to religious freedom to immigration, you name it, and show that Christian nationalists are the ones furthest right on all of these issues. And I think it is a key to unlocking so much of our religious and political discourse today. And name critical white evangelical scholars because these are people from within the evangelical tradition looking at that tradition and saying, hey, there's something grievously wrong here. And we're going to use our scholarship and our academic chops to name that. So any of those books and more are coming out now. And so it's been really remarkable to see. Wow, man. Yeah, that Jesus and John Wayne was a brutal cut. I hated cutting that because I feel like it was so important, but there was just so much. There was just so much like, to got stay, got stay black center, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's awesome, man. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, before we take a quick break, um, I am going to give you my number eight. It is a book, the last book on my list that made it. It was very, very difficult to choose between five or six different books, but this book that I'm about to mention was so transformative for me personally as a man that I could not leave it off. And that is, of course, The Will to Change, Men, Masculinity, and Love by Bell Hooks. And wow, bruh. let me tell y'all something. All my brothers, brothers, come in, come in, come in. Brothers, 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 gather, 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 brothers, 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 brothers. Come on, come on. Squad up. Y'all got to read this book. Came out in 2004. It's going to make you do the Cuba Gooding Jr. and Boys in the Hood. Swing at the air. You're going to be crying thug tears. But it is essential to understanding parts of you and yourself that you have been conditioned to believe. The emotional parts of you that you run from. The tender parts of you that you are are ashamed of the vulnerable parts of you that could be liberation points for you, ways in which you are emotionally unavailable to your partner. Extremely important. You talk about common grace? You want to talk about common grace? Men's ministries, quote unquote, need to read this book. 
they don't need it. They don't need to be shooting guns. And wow. if you do that, cool. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shooting at that. I'm just saying, if that's all you're doing, shooting guns and eating steak and cooking breakfast every third Saturday, you're missing something. You got to unlearn. Okay. You can't build on a rotten foundation. It's a problem with the roots. You got to dig up the roots. You got to have somebody read you. Mm. <laughs> you got to read somebody reading you. And that's what Bell Hooks again. does. The Will to Change, Men, Masculinity, and Love by Bell Hooks. She talks about the part that really made me perk up when I was like, oh, this is different, is when she was talking about how when men push away from vulnerability, violence is the only thing, the only resort. So it, this book is written extremely compassionately. So to, for all this, oh, they're going to come in and be on an agenda. It, it, it critiques movements that you have misconceptions about. So it's written with extreme compassion, grace and truth. And she talks about how the vulnerability of men, when we run from it, violence is the only other resort. It may not be physical, but some form of violence will rise up in us because we have not embraced the weak parts of ourselves. We have not embraced tenderness. We have not embraced gentleness. And that's why we harm other people, particularly black women. Mm. Look, brothers, read it, read it, grin and bear it. Mm. And and don't play the game. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't do it. You're going to talk yourself out of it. Ah, it's another book I could read. It's all that. No, don't do it. My homeboy challenged me to read it. Shout out to Ray. My homeboy challenged me. He's like, man, you need to read The Will to Change by Bell Hooks. He was also the one that put me on the Too Heavy a Yoke by Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes as well, years ago, <laughs> before I even was in this space. He was like, man, you need to read Too Heavy a Yoke. And he also said, you need to read The Will to Change. So shout out to Ray, because this book really transformed a lot for me. And it's not, and again, we're in process. So this is not something that's like, oh, I read one book and I got it, you know? Right. That's, that's foolish. <laughs> You're not going to unlearn misogynoir and patriarchy overnight by reading one book. But if you don't start somewhere, come on, you're going to keep harming people. Brothers, mm. read this book. Mm. The Will that's to good. Change. That's good. I'm taking notes. Listen, listen, let's take a break here. Uh, man, we got four more and then we're going to close out. This has been so much fun these past episode and a half, but we're going to pay some bills here. We'll be right back on Pass the Mic. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu admit. We are back on Past the Mic for our Cultural Artifacts, part two episode. Man, we've been getting it in. It's been a good list this year. Wow. Well, It's, it's been you know, a good list. It's been quite a year. So, yeah, we had a lot to work with. And my best two are coming up. Okay. I All saved right. my best two for my last two. Very good. Very good. Listen, listen. Okay, so you're up. You've done three so far. You've done eight total. Um, you have two more. So yep. what's number nine for you? 
So this is my number nine. You know, I I, I always got to name the obvious ones, but I think they need to be named. So my number nine is the 2020 presidential election. Of course, of course. 2020 presidential election. Y'all. I'm triggered, though. Like, you're going to trigger me. I'm just, yeah, it's pretty triggering. The past four years have been so exhausting. Talk about Non-stop news from and about our president. Zero of it practically good. (laughs) You know, Um, policy by tweet. A refusal to call out Russian interference. Xenophobia, sexism, patriarchy, racism, uh, uh, encouraging white nationalists, all of these things. There's not there's there's practically not been a day where there hasn't been some headline about some foolishness emanating from the White House. All the lies, all the lies, all the lies, man, look. It would have been so easy for the president to say, wear a mask. It'll save lives. How easy would that have been and how different would this year have been when it came to a deadly pandemic, which as we speak is claiming over 3000 lives a day, a day, bro. A day. Imagine if we had just just a little bit. He he didn't even have to coordinate or make a policy. Just say, wear a mask. Just say it's real. Just say it's dangerous. So we got all of that going on. And then we get this 2020 presidential election. We have this wildly contentious and competitive Democratic primary. You remember there were over two dozen candidates at one point. Yeah, I was in there for a second. Yeah, I filed yeah, papers, I mean, but look, I did everybody. You know. Uh, why not? <laughs> I didn't raise enough money, you know. <laughs> we working on it now. We got we got you for twenty twenty four. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> so you had all of this pressure. Everybody knew we needed a change, but we were on a knife's edge because we knew that the president's support is stalwart, and so it really depended on us turning out the vote, right? And it also was this tension because when we finally got the presidential nominee, Joe Biden, we knew this man is not going to be the savior. We know he's not some 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 great, quote unquote, white knight. Right. He's got his own set of problems and issues. And, And but, you know, as black voters, we're in a situation we always are. You take the overt racist who is actively courting. Uh, uh, racist and white supremacists for their support, or you take the one who at least on uh, 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 on the surface is giving a nod toward a multiracial democracy, right? Yep. I mean, those are our choices. All pragmatic, that, pragmatic boy. Very pragmatic. Um, so these folks are not, and, and then, and then, oh my gosh. So we get the election results. We knew we weren't going to have the exact winner the right, you know, the 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 day after because of all the mail-ins and everything after. But when we finally did, some of us knew that. <laughs> some of us knew that. If you didn't know, you got to pay a little bit more attention. Tune in to pass the mic. We talk about it. Um, they called it on Saturday. 
And then the president and his cronies began their attacks to undermine the integrity of the election, to cast doubt on it, to say that there was widespread election and voter fraud. They had 50 court cases that were struck down. Ultimately, it was a clown show, but it was so dangerous and is so dangerous and insidious because forever there will be a a, a cadre of people who do not have faith in our elections and what a hallmark of our democracy has been as flawed as they are there has been the peaceful transfer of power i think all of that is in jeopardy for now and in perpetuity so the 2020 election y'all yeah man that 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 week was a year it that was an really awful was. week what an awful week what a horrible week and what a frustrating process what a joke that we've been dealing with for four years. What a joke, man. You know, there's bar, there's, there's lowering the bar, and then the bar no longer exists. Stomped on it, buried it. I just, I and can't. A dangerous man. joke. A dangerous it's so, it's so, it's so angering because it forces us to dehumanize one another oh, in our responses. Because if you, if you think about it, people were responding with relief that it was over. People were clapping, people were celebrating, people were honking their horns, like banging pots. And then we had to swoop in and police their relief. Like, oh, you know, he's not going to do this. He's a man. Let people breathe. Yeah. It's been 20, it's been a whole year of a pandemic and racial injustice and our people being murdered in the streets and this joke of a president and all this foolishness and white evangelicals and critical race theory. All we want to do is just, can we live? Can we let each other live in 2021? So simple. If somebody likes something, let them like it. Somebody don't like something, let them not like it. It's okay. It's going to be fine, y'all. It just makes us dehumanize each other. And we pour an energy into fighting one another. And there's room for critique. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes I'm just like, man, I'm tired, y'all. Chill out. Can we just be, can we just express relief? Can we just be like, yo, you, you about to lose your job. Can we play the you about to lose your job song just one time? If you know, Come on, you know. man. Listen, I'll say this one last word on the 2020 election. I think the last cruel act of, of this president was to rob us of that relief. Hmm. The last cruel act of this president Come on, is bro. that we didn't get the catharsis of winning the election and knowing he's not going to be in office. While this is true, factually, and there will be a transfer of power, Biden and Harris will be in office. We never got that, that, that definitive moment to say, a different party won the election. We're going to see this re regime out of office and we can breathe again. We can celebrate. We tried to. Don't get me wrong. We tried to. But it was always tainted and tinged with the fact that we knew we had another battle, which was to to not legitimize the results, but to 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 persuade people who didn't want to be persuaded that the results were legitimate. And so what a cruel act that we go through all of this, win fair and square, and then don't even have the chance to celebrate it.
Narcissists are never going to give you closure. Never. Neither will abusers either. They don't give you that luxury. Yeah, man. So again, we being sour about it right now, but I was relieved on Saturday. (laughs) On that Saturday, took a deep breath, sat in it for a while, baked some cookies, and then set his back to work. (laughs) What's your name, man? All right, number nine. First time we did cultural artifacts, man. First time. If I can take you on back to reminisce with me, 2015, 2015. It might have been 2014. I feel like it was 2015. First time we did cultural artifacts, man. And there was an album that I mentioned, which still is the album of the 2010s. And that is D'Angelo's Black Messiah. A perfect (laughs) album. A perfect album. Perfection. And I talked about how this this album was the first album in a long time to take me to a place. It transported me to somewhere else. And it it was on the heels of Mike Brown and Eric Garner and the image, the album art image was a group of people with fists in the air and, and it's still 100% relevant. And if you have not heard it, shame on you. Rectify that immediately and download it to your streaming service of choice and just let it take you there. And there hadn't been an album. There have been great, great, great albums that have come out that I've enjoyed. There hadn't been an album that took me there since D'Angelo's Black Messiah. But in 2020, a few weeks after George Floyd, in June, we got an album that took me there, that reminded me of all the things I felt years ago when I heard D'Angelo's Black Messiah. And that's my number nine. It's the album Black Is by the British music collective Salt. Oh. Let me tell y'all something, y'all. Listen, y'all. You've been asleep. They put you to sleep. People put you to sleep. They, they, they don't talk about salt. And part of the reason why they don't talk about salt is because nobody really knows who's in it. They don't do media. You know some of the, the members, but not all. You have suspicions about some of the members, but you, you don't fully know. Not only this, Jamar, I could have gone four different ways with this because they released two EPs in 2019 and released two albums 12 weeks, I think it was 12 weeks apart, in 2020. Black Is is the first one, and the second one is even more refined. It's called Rise. And it's Salt is spelled S-A-U-L-T. So just so in case you're looking up, S-A-U-L-T. Okay, yeah, I'm trying to look this up. Okay. And listen, fam, it took me there. I could have gone a number of different ways. I could have done the artist, but Black Is was right at the purpose perfect moment. It was right at the perfect intersection of my pain, my rage, my anger. And it is, if there's a way I can describe it, it is frenetic ferocity. It is ferocious. It is, but it's also frenetic. It is all over the map. You got a song like Stop Them, which is an anthem. Play that, drive down drive in the highway so you can go 70 and play stop them and see if you don't get to 80 (laughs) 
it's it's an anthem. Um, and then wildfires, which is this beautiful, rich, layered, lush soul song that really cuts to the heart. Um, it, it's it's so much. It's so much. And and here's the thing: I could have gone with Rise because it's actually the more the more collectively critically acclaimed album. People are like, oh, they figured out their sound. But no, Black is was how frustrated we all felt mm. and how much in anguish. And they put all that anguish and frustration into the music. And they showed up right on time with all kinds of stuff. It felt like gospel and it felt like hip hop and it felt like neo soul and it felt like world music and it felt like protest anthems. It was, it's incredible. It's, it's my album of the year. Mm, is is wow, black is by wow, Saul. Wow. Again. And if you and if you listen to it, you got to listen to it when you get there. And it has this weird way of of enhancing your feelings of rage, anguish, that emotional cocktail. It turns it up and calms you down at the same time. Cuz someone sees you and your feelings feel validated, but because your feelings feel validated, you can sit in them. Mm. And that's healing, y'all. It's healing to be seen and known. It's healing to have someone come into contact with your feelings. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And that's what that's what they do. That's it, man. That's that's the album of the year right there. I like that's the collective. N- that's number one. Oh, bruh. That's hidden. And, and, and you know, there's some people, you know, Cleo Soul, Kid Sister, Michael Kiwanika, like there's there, there are some people that we know of, but you never they don't do any media. Hmm. You look them up, you're like, who is this? Who, who are they? Nobody knows. Nobody knows for sure. So it's like, man, they they stepped away from the spotlight to give us something so beautiful. Hmm. And I'm like, man, <laughs> listen to that album. Listen to that album this I weekend. Up. I got it queued up. And again, you ain't tell a brother. You ain't put me on till December, bruh. You withholding the healing. Hey, you man, listen, you, listen, listen. I, 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 I have failed you this year. I failed you this year. I hit all the gems to myself. I shouldn't have. Past the mic listeners, I'm sorry. I thought I thought we had a deeper connection here, but Tyler <laughs> keeping all of this to himself, maybe <sighs> maybe just weren't as close as we thought we were. Um, I'm as shocked as you are. Stop, man. Stop. What's number 10? <laughs> what's number 10? We got the last one. We got the last one. We got the heater. Come on, what's number 10? No cap. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what it looks like. I am proud beyond words. My number 10 is The Witness Incorporated. Hey. Y'all don't hey I mean, you've heard me say this, but let me say it again. The importance of Black-led institutions cannot be underestimated. From a social standpoint, if you look at the Black church, it is the quintessential Black-led institution. If you look at other Black-led institutions, Jet Magazine is the first publication that put... Emmett Till's face on the cover and exposed the brutality of Jim Crow and lynching in the modern civil rights era. If you look at 
other institutions that are black led, we are in a position better than anyone to make moves for the culture, to lift up our people. And the thing about it is, we're almost always doing a lot with a little. We almost never have the mm. kind of resources, platform, clout that we have earned due to the excellence of our work. And yet and still, we continue the work. Look at look at HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. These are treasures, not just for black people, but for the whole country. And yet chronically underfunded. If you look at the level of endowments of HBCUs, a Bruh. fraction, a chronically fraction underfunded of predominantly white universities. Uh, so so as we are building the Witness Inc., what we are doing is building an institution. And what gets me so excited is that we've got a team of people, a collective of people. So we've got around 10 team members now. And mind you, it started with me and a laptop and a Facebook page in fall of 2011. And we launched our first national fundraising campaign, the Will You Be a Witness campaign, raising $500,000. Go to thewitnessinc.com if you want to make your donation. This boy closing with an offer. <laughs> this boy closing Pass with an offer. <laughs> Pass the plate. Um, <sighs> make a recurring donation just to, just to make your commitment clear. Um, what I love is that we are doing this for the culture. We're doing this for Black uplift from a Christian perspective. Uh, we are centering Black people. And what I honestly love about The Witness, Inc., of course, this is one organization with two divisions, the Black Christian Collective, which Tyler Burns is now the president of, and then Do Not Sleep on The Witness Foundation, our new division, headed up by Shannon Polk, the executive director. Go back and listen to Tyler's interview with Shannon, if you have not yet, it is poignant and powerful. Uh, what I love about this new phase in the life of our organization, now The Witness, Inc., is that I believe we are coming into our own. Just like those albums you mentioned, Tyler, where, 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 where you finally found the sound you've had to tweak and, and, and change and refine I feel like we've been doing that since 2017 and now in 2020 headed into 2021, we've found our footing more so than ever before in terms of identity and voice. And it's sort of the year, it's sort of the culmination of years of struggle, years of decolonizing our faith and the struggle continues. But I think we are poised to really be a voice on the national scene. And I think with just two or three big opportunities, we can position ourselves to be that. And, and I'm just so excited about the work, about the team, about the intelligence, about the creativity, about the passion of the people behind it. Um, no cap, no cap. That's what's up, man. You know, I love our team. You know, a squad all day. It's squad all day for the amazing team, man. Amazing people and amazing supporters. We couldn't do it without y'all. Um, but, but I'm telling you this, this feels, you know, like a very different season in the life of the organization. And I'm thrilled and excited to see what comes next. So my number 10 is the Witness Incorporated and our two divisions, the Black Christian Collective and the Witness Foundation. That's what's up, man. I'm glad you brought it down. I got to take it back to the culture. I'm taking it back to the culture to end. <laughs> I should have let you close out with the offering. 
and uh, you know, let you count the offering and come back and take the second offering and be like, oh, no, it's not no, enough. Man. We didn't have enough. Man, you know, this year has felt so empty for a number of different reasons. And one of the reasons that it's felt empty is our rhythms have been disrupted. And it seems like such a first world problem in the grand scheme of the pandemic and racial injustice and all kinds of things that we are facing. But man, I miss the movies. And I know for a lot of people, that's a personal outlet, a place where you can actually yeah. go to disconnect and and dream and and engage in a different way, in a new way. There's nothing like being in the dark theater for two hours and coming out to light, right? And and or being this is my favorite, being in a theater late at night and coming out and knowing that you have a 20-minute drive home to process what you've what you've experienced where there's silence and you, you can hear the, the wind and the, the, you know, the crickets, like there's a long drive for me, doc. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So like, there's, there's like, man, this is a a beautiful moment. And this is a moment where I'm going to be able to, to be in tune with myself and in tune with what I just experienced and what someone worked so hard to put on a big screen. And up until the, about a week ago, 10 days ago, I was feeling so empty about even this list, not because I didn't have enough things. I had like 20, 30 things that I could have put on here, things that are obvious that I just didn't put on. Because again, I want to put you on. I want to give you some things that are different, that are unique. And I felt so empty because I didn't have a definitive film. I just did not have a definitive movie for 2020. And then I got my definitive movie. Okay. You're going to name it. That definitive movie, number 10, could be number one on my list, is none other than August Wilson's My Rainey's Black Bottom. Listen, this the one, y'all. It's the one. Chadwick Boseman, his last performance was his greatest. Chadwick was exhilarating, searing, transcendent, superior, deserves the best actor Oscar posthumously at the Academy Awards without any doubt. Don't don't even think about inscribing another name on that. Some of his monologues left me shaking. Shaking. I could not believe what I was watching. I could not believe He fought cancer while recording that. I could not believe he was staring down the barrel of his own death while he was recording that. It is take anything you've seen from Chadwick, as great as it may have been, Jackie Robinson, 42, get on up, James Brown, T'Challa, Black Panther. It doesn't even come close to this. He put every last piece of himself into that. That's acting. And it took me to a place and it was tragic and it was emotional and it left me shaking and shook. And get this, Chadwick is the best part of the movie, but I could probably say that about three other performances in the movie. Viola Davis was phenomenal. 
unrecognizable even. The black actors and cast, what can we say about them? Everyone was perfectly casted, perfectly. And it made me even feel as much and as great as Denzel Washington was in Fences, which is another August Wilson play that was translated, adapted to the screen. As great as Denzel Washington and Viola Davis were in Fences. This is a different level. I've never seen an acting performance like this. Never. Hmm. Never. I'm not a, I'm not a movie critic. Y'all throw whatever at me. I get it. It's not Daniel Day-Lewis and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I I get it. I get it. I understand. I I feel you. I feel you. Hear me when I say I've never had, I've, I, I, (laughs) E-Y-E, I, (laughs) I'm talking about for me is it was different. He showed you how great he is. And he's not around for us to celebrate him. Mm. And that broke me. Mm. Chadwick did this for us. Mm. He did it for us. And when I saw it, I said, now I know why he passed when he did. He gave everything. This was his last role. He gave everything for this. He never, I I, I firmly believe he never expected to make it a Black Panther 2. I firmly believe it. This is it. I'm put lay. Uh, uh, this is Jordan Moon Facial Game Six ninety eight. I'm gonna end with my hand in the air over Brian Russell, and I'm gonna walk away. And that's it. This is the perfect end and cap the tragic end to a transcendent career. And this performance, I cannot say enough about it. It is earth shattering and it's something everyone should watch. And I know I haven't even done it justice with my words. You think I probably said too much and given it too much praise. I haven't even come close to it. Hmm. So my number 10 is my Rainey's black bottom. For Chadwick long live the King, man. So that was 10 on each side. You got, you got any bonus tracks? We always got honorable mentions. We What's your bonus tracks, bro? I'm nervous about both of them. Because cause, cause you're going to join me on one of them. Uh, the other one you won't, but I okay. still feel nervous about it. Okay, so honorable mention. Okay. Self-care slash running. Okay. So 2020, especially during the pandemic, I mean, it's been like 60 years of a pandemic. But in the early <laughs> right. months of it when we were all trying to figure out what life looked like when we couldn't gather socially as we had been used to, I found that heading outside was a lifeline mm-hmm. in terms of self-care. And, 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 and the activity that I chose outside was running, which I've never been in before. And, and I'm not really into it now, whether or not I got cold and I ain't that, that, that about it, about it. But <laughs> for a time, for a season, and right on time, it was running, and I finally figured out it wasn't really just the running. It was being outside. It was being outdoors. That was it. Because you, you, you know, you were cooped up all day, trying to work on Zoom calls, watching screens, doing this, that, and the other, trying to act like you could be just as productive in a pandemic as 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 not a pandemic. And 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 before you knew it, you had woken up, worked, 
eaten, gone to sleep, all under a roof. Yes. All within the walls of a building. Completely abnormal. And then you get outside and you got some fresh air. It was summertime, so we had some sunshine. You see some, some trees and some leaves and you hear the birds and all of these things. You feel the crunch of the rocks under your feet and the wind on your skin. Mm, okay. It, it's just get in that writing bag. Come on, yes. cook, cook. I mean, it comes, it, 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 you're, 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 it feels like you're closer to God. And for a moment, you can detach from the claustrophobia of the pandemic. Hmm. And you can literally breathe. Hmm. So that was that was like a spiritual thing for me, man. I, I That's powerful, bro. It. I did not expect it. What's your other one? All right. Look, I don't know what your problem is with it, but objectively, objectively, this artist. Don't do this. Don't do this, Jamar. Why not? You got to don't do this. Not. You cannot police my blackness. Megar Evers didn't die for this. You cannot police my blackness. We we are diverse people. Fred Hampton did get shot for this. This crept up on me, too. And I'll tell you why. It's because I like singing and it's eminently sing-alongable. So I'm going to say it, man. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to mute you if you start. I'm going to switch. I'm like the water when your ship rolled in that night Rough on the surface but you cut through like a knife Blocked That's it, see? <laughs> you say you're a Swifty? Blocked Don't let anybody Blocked. police your blackness I don't Blocked. care who you listen to You might listen y'all to don't block. Listen, You we... might listen to East Coast rap, West Coast listen, rap Collective, collective action uh-uh. We need to let our voices be heard We gotta no, block no, no, them for no, 24 no. hours uh-uh. Listen, it crept up on me but she released two surprise albums that were extremely mature and very apropos to this moment. Earlier this year, in 2020, released the album Folklore. And then, just when you thought that was all she had... Is that said, with three Ks or just one? Oh, wow. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Look, no, don't, 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 don't do them like that now. Um, then, then she released another surprise album. She said, we was cooking... Didn't want to stop. So we got another one for y'all called Evermore. And that dropped by surprise. And fam- That don't even sound just and equitable, Evermore. That don't sound like equity. What you talking about? Don't nobody even use what that word. What you talking about? So, so That's the reason su- that is this. That sounds sus. The reason is this. It's just very sing-alongable. And I sing loud. This is, this is part of my catharsis. Now, I sing other stuff, too. I got you, Fred Hammond. All right. I got uh-uh. you, Kirk Franklin. Mm-mm. All right. I got all I the hear words it. you want to hear about. I don't want to hear but it. Surprisingly, I like singing along to this. And that's that. iTunes did it. They have those lyrics now that you can follow along with the track. That's what did it. Now I can follow along with the words. I was like, all right, I'm belted out. So there you go. Let Those us are pray. My Saints, Saints, let us pray. No, no, no. Uh, you, you, what, what are yours, brother? Let us pray, Saints. What are yours, Mr. Black? Mr. Blackity Black? Okay, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> let me Number one on the honorable okay. mentions list. Not comfortable in my blackness. So I got to prove it all the time. Go uh-uh. ahead. No, Go no, ahead. no, no, no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Sorry, young buddy. Uh-uh. You, uh-uh. you projected. Right. You projected. Don't, don't project on me. <laughs> don't project on me, you <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, double number one honorable mentions list. It's an IG account called Black Liturgies by Cole Arthur Riley. She's a phenomenal black woman. She writes prayers and liturgies for from the perspective of blackness. Just started in 2020, probably I think now has 50,000 followers on IG. Transcendent. Again, one of the young, young lionesses that people need to hear from writing a book. I also want to shout out, man, the crew, the young, the young guns. And by young, I don't mean in age, but I mean in passing the baton. Dante Stewart, Cole Arthur Riley, Jimmy Butts, Ali Henney, Lisa Fields. Uh, Lisa in a whole different area, <laughs> like category from us, but still Lisa Fields. Man, you you guys, I'm telling y'all, it's the time. It's people you don't even you haven't even heard of yet. Killing it. Yeah, Black Liturgies, you definitely need to be following that account. Another TV show that was a tough cut, tough, brutal cut, was The Queen's Gambit on yes. Netflix. Oh, that was so Brutal good. cut. Mm. Oh, these things just meant more to me than that. But it was, as a TV watching experience, was probably the most enjoyable TV watching experience I had. Um, the Versus series... Mm, that's a good one for the culture right there. Yes. It they 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 went mainstream, so I just couldn't get it on the list. They went a little mainstream. And see, my favorite one was um T Pain versus Lil John. <laughs> oh, because it's A50. It's A50 around here. It's North Florida okay. all day. Okay. <laughs> Payne was Pain keeping was with John. So Payne gave him hits. But see, here's the thing: the the when they did the top screen, they did the split screen. It was so much better than them in person. And now they got them in person. They performing their songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think the whole Teddy Riley babyface thing made people like, Spooky. oh, well, let's let's smooth it out. I'm like, no, it kind of lost its edge after that. Mm. But before then, it was very fun. Um, Jesus and John Wayne, which I've already talked about, uh, a fun little comic. Uh, Superman smashes the clan. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that one, uh, just as a, as a fun little light read. Um, I bring the voices of my people by Shaniqua Walker Barnes. Yes. That was great. Uh, hate I couldn't put that. Yeah. It's just so many stuff, so much stuff on here, man. I had, I had a whole gang of stuff and I'm not going to even mention a whole lot more. Um, because I just, I feel, I hate, I could not put some of this stuff on here, but yeah, man. Um, I also think we should shout out because, just of his collective impact, he's not made the list. And I kind of don't know why he hasn't ever made one of our lists, but uh, Toby and Wigway kind of <laughs> kind of falls in there. We just never made one of our lists. So I'm just like, yeah, but Toby is, Toby is, uh, you know, I really appreciate the land he's crafting for himself. So, yeah. Very good. Well, we did it, man. Damn. Hey, listen, 2020 was special. I got to shout out all our listeners for rocking with us. Yeah, yeah, We're going to yeah. release our download numbers, but they was fire. So thank you all for listening and downloading and tuning in and sharing. Support. 2020's been Support. A- Patreon. Yes, Patreon. You can do that. Patreon, pass the mic. Patrons, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to do so much more for y'all in 2021. And uh, man, we're excited. We're excited that we were able to end the year. And it's not about, quote unquote, finishing the year as strong as what we expected, but it's about finishing, period. And so we we thank God for that. But then now to the future. 
2021, all gas, no brakes. Forward ever, backward never. We'll see y'all then. This past the mic. Peace. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.